Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Milos Raonic, and you're listening to the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast. Defending champion Grigor Dimitrov is out, and he isn't happy. It's of course it's never easy when you lose your title, but that's uh, you know that's part of the game, and I'm gonna have quite a few uh, few days to get ready for Wimby, and um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna turn things around. Andy Murray's into the quarters though, but it wasn't a walk in the park. I dug myself out of a few difficult situations when I was behind on my serve, especially in the second set. Played some good points there, a few aces. He faces Gilles Muller of Luxembourg, whose coach is Murray's friend. But he was rooting for Andy, by the way, in that match. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. It's not true, not true, not true. I don't think I'm playing a bad tennis at the moment. I just... Um, I'm doing a lot of good things on the court, which really don't uh, they don't discourage me to to um, to play. Um, tough match today, of course, but you know I'm um, I'm just gonna stay positive. Wimbledon is uh, is coming up. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a good time to get ready, and everything is gonna be. I think everything's gonna be fine for me. So Grigor Dimitrov, the defending champion, is the champion of the Aegon Championships no longer because he's lost, Catherine. He has, and it's. It's a shame because he was a great champion last year. It was really it was really great to see him, the new blood of tennis, winning here. It seemed so fitting to see him win here. So it's a shame that he's gone out so early, but uh, I'm delighted for Jill Muller. What a, what a lovely chap. Absolutely. We got to meet him. So we'll be talking to him a little bit later, Catherine and I, alongside his British coach, Jamie Delgado. And didn't he serve? Well, my goodness, that serve of his is extraordinary, isn't it? It is extraordinary, yeah, and his wingspan is uh, is incredible as well. He's uh, he's a powerhouse at the net because it's so difficult to get past him, but he's sort of he's more limber than a than a John Isner. He seems to be a little bit more mobile. I mean, yes, I mean there's still several inches height difference. That's probably a bit unfair to John Isner. He is six foot ten, um, but yeah, he's he, an incredible serve. But it's more than a serve, you know. As I, as I said when we spoke to him, I I clipped up his highlights, and there were a fair few, you know. Lovely rallies in there. Good it, seeing him at the net. It was a it was a real grass court match. It was uh, it was a hark back to the eighties uh, and nineties. Certainly was when you weren't alive, but I was. I'm David Law alongside Catherine Whitaker, and we have a new member of the Aegon Tennis Championships podcast team because Mr. David Levy, who is part of our media team, has just joined us. And Dave, you get to see that serve really up close, don't you? Because where do you get to stand? I stand in the corner of the court uh, in what we call the drop zone where the players do their uh, interview straight after the match. Uh, it's my job to ask them to come over and speak to the broadcasters who we've got here covering the tournament. So yeah, I sneak into the corner of the court uh, at various times and yeah, I had a great view of some just 
extraordinary serving today. Um, yeah, the amount of aces they hit, the power they get, the second serve aces they hit as well. Um, yeah, it was just, just great to see. So, yeah, very privileged position for me. I noticed you were on the TV a lot. Yeah, sorry about that. We have a, a bit of a laugh in the media team here because, yeah, it is my job to go over to the players at the end of the matches especially and, and ask them to do the media. And I have a really bad habit of getting my face on TV. Um, not intentional at all. No, not yeah, not like that at all. My mum and dad uh, actually text me quite a lot and say, yeah, we were watching the tennis and uh, you keep getting on the screen. So even they're bored of seeing me on the screen. <laughs> Andy Murray today, Catherine Whittaker, dealt with an opponent that has beaten him before in Fernando Vadasco relatively straightforwardly. Relatively straightforwardly, yeah. He, he wasn't brilliant, Andy Murray, today. Certainly by his recent standards, it wasn't a particularly... Uh, exceptional performance but it was as good as it needed to be and uh, that's sort of what I prefer to see from Murray him just doing what needs to be done and having gears in reserve because that's what the champions do that's what how many times have, have we seen Djokovic, Federer, Nadal just do do what needs to be done and keep that keep that exceptional stuff in reserve for when you really need it so uh, I think it was a very economical performance today and he, he's probably going to sleep well tonight. Well, I think he will sleep well tonight. But you know what? He wasn't overly happy with the way he played. I'll definitely need to, to make sure I start, I think, a bit bit sharper than I have in the, the last couple of matches because I've, I've played a couple of sloppy service games early on. And when you start playing against the, the big servers, you can't, can't really afford that. So that's Andy Murray. He knows he's going to have his hands full in the next round against Shields Muller. They've had some good matches in the past. It'll be one of four quarterfinals on the order of play on Friday at the Aegon Championships. Another one is going to involve John Isner. But goodness me, did he have his work cut out today. And world record on the ATP circuit of 65 aces in three sets hit between John Isner and Feliciano Lopez. And the angle... Dave, that those serves come down at from John Isner in particular. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? You get balls almost bouncing over the head of the opponent off the serve. And when you stand as close as I was lucky to do next to the court, you, I really don't know how opponents, including Lopez today, just try and get the ball back. It's just unbelievable. The last person I saw of that stature serving like that was you at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, similar speed, but you slowed it down nicely just so we could see it and really appreciate it. But no, in all seriousness, it's incredible power um, and accuracy that these guys get. And um, sometimes it doesn't come across on the TV. Um, and as I said, being very lucky to be next to the court, you really appreciate just how uh, amazing these guys are. Well, Catherine, of course, can give us an insight into what it's like to face a serve like John Isner's because you have faced mine, haven't you, Catherine? Yeah, surprisingly manageable would be my assessment of that <laughs> situation. And I'm sure Feliciano Lopez probably wouldn't be saying the same thing tonight, that uh, John Isner has an uh, unsurprisingly unmanageable serve. Question of the day, posed by our producer, David Earl. Second serve aces on match point. Are they the most wonderful thing in tennis, Catherine Whitaker? That's what Feliciano Lopez did in his match against John Isner. Match point down, second serve, ace. Well, to start with, I'd ask, how many second serve aces have there ever been on match point? I'd, more than a handful, I would be surprised. Well, I can give you one right away. Chris Bailey against Goran Ivanisevic, 1993 at Wimbledon. Chris Bailey in charge, about to get the biggest win of his life for Great Britain. Goran Ivanisevic hits a second serve ace after a, a let cord. The encyclopedia speaks. <laughs> That's an amazing recollection. Well, then, yes. It, Were you alive? 
What, which year? Would it? 1993. Yes, I was. I was. I won't confess to how old I was, but I was. I was walking and talking. I was. I was a functioning human being, um, almost like now. Um, I think probably yes, but it's such a re- it's such a niche category of shot. I think it'd be a shame to say that's the most exciting thing in tennis. Because What's yours then? Because of how rarely we get to see it. Um, it's hard to beat a tweener, isn't it? What's one of those? A, a between the legs shot, a Federer special. She tried to hit one of those against me, didn't she, Dave? I think that's what she was trying to do. But yeah, the thing for me about uh, second serve aces is, it, is the guts it takes to go for it. Because the ten, you know, if you're down match point, you just want to get the opponent to play. You want to get the ball in play, um, I would have thought. So to go for an ace, go for the corner, hit the ball that hard, shows real guts. And um, it takes the sort of crazy kind of character of Gore. I'm not surprised it's Goran, knowing his character. Who would, he's the kind of guy who would go for a second serve ace. Match point down, so yeah, that says a lot about him. What would you be your favourite shot? If you could have any, any shot in the world... Any time. What would you? Over this, David, it's just a plain old single-handed backhand, and I'm working hard on it, listeners. I've, I've, I have one. It's just not very good. It's, I, I am able to hit a single-handed backhand. I'm proud to say. What's your single-handed backhand like, Dave? Average, I think, is the right word. But the one shot I'd really like to do is to hit. I, I find really hard is the high backhand volley. That's a really difficult shot to hit technically that's a knee high volley for me though isn't it <laughs> yeah that was the henman special that he had the best high backhand volley or backhand smash in tennis and probably in history really big words but he never missed those and he made he made them look so easy and they are not easy talking of history 30 years ago 1985 and boris becker legends of queens Boris Becker. The beautiful thing with being a teenager and being 17 is you don't really think for tomorrow. You live in the moment, you live now. Exactly 30 years ago, a flame-haired 17-year-old German arrived at the Queen's Club for the first time and then went on to win Wimbledon just a couple of weeks later. Becker is one of seven players to have won at the Queen's Club four times. John Barrett will never forget his run in 1985. Yeah, I remember that so well. And we all watched that final. He beat Creek, Johan Creek, in the final and blasted him off the court and served so well that day. Johan, prophetically afterwards, I remember every word. He said, if Boris serves like that next week, he will win Wimbledon. Not May, he will win Wimbledon. Yeah, everybody after the match obviously laughed about that statement. And he was beaten three and two by me. And everybody thought, well, he's just upset that he lost to his teenager. But he said, listen... I'm a veteran, I've been around the game a long time, and this was an unusual beating. And if, if young Boris is going to play the same in, in, a, in a week's time, he's going to be very difficult to beat. On the Monday after the Queen's Club final, he put a bet on me, uh, and obviously the odds were unbelievable. Do you remember the Becker boogie? When he won a point, he would do that little stamping of his feet and clenching of his fists. The crowd went wild that day, they were ecstatic to see such a performance from a 17-year-old. No one will ever forget. That's one of my sharpest memories still, the success of, of Boris. Boris Becker. Now, am I the only one here that was actually alive when Boris Becker won Wimbledon, Dave? I was almost two when he won it, 1985. I, no, I, no comment, I was, wasn't around. Uh, shall I tell you what it was like? 
It was unbelievable. He was against Kevin Curran, who'd beaten Ivan Lendl and John McEnroe to get to the Wimbledon final. And here was this flame-haired 17-year-old from Germany who just didn't care for reputations, not one bit. And he dismissed everything in his sight. I think that was one of the most extraordinary sporting stories I've ever seen. It was a little bit like when Mike Tyson lost to James Buster Douglas. It just had that sort of impact. Will there ever be a 17-year-old that wins Wimbledon again? I don't think so. I think that's the most extraordinary thing about it. I think I don't think it... I mean, so many things we think will never happen again, and it turns out that they go in cycles, but I'm not sure that is one of them. I think the game might have changed to such an extent that that will never be possible again. Much as I hate to agree with you, I think you might be right. Now, we mentioned Gilles Muller earlier today, didn't we? Because he knocked out Grigor Dimitrov to set up this quarterfinal clash with Andy Murray. You may not know that he's coached by a former British player in Jamie Delgado, who won the Orange Bowl as a junior, got to 100 in the world or just outside in the height of his career. But he's actually doing better, really, as a coach. He's really revived the career of Gilles Muller. He's a good friend of Andy Murray. And Catherine and I spoke to them. Down in the players' lounge, this is the sort of time where everybody's eating, everybody's getting ready for matches or recovering from matches. And in the case of Gilles Muller, celebrating matches because you're through to the quarterfinals, Gilles. Yeah, well, celebrating, uh, more recovering. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough one out there, yeah, so I just had some food now and uh, I'm about to go see the physio to have some uh, treatment, some stretch and then a good massage. Alongside you is Jamie Delgado the man that has coached you to this uh, run of success, super coach Jamie Delgado. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. No, he's been playing really, really well and improving steadily, I think, in the last months and since we've been together. So to watch him play like that is, is really, really nice for, for me to watch it. But he's the one playing, that's for sure. Now, uh, we're not biased here on the tennis podcast, of course, but Catherine and I, over the years, have been quite fond of the way Grigor Dimitrov plays his tennis, but we were particularly interested and impressed with the way that you beat Grigor Dimitrov, weren't we, Catherine? We certainly were. I've, I've just been clipping up the highlights of your match, and it was, uh, it was quite a pleasure, really. It was a really good match to watch. I mean, plenty more, plenty more than aces going on there. It was a really, really nice point. It was a, yeah, it was a pleasure to sort of re-watch it. So, uh, it's a bit like watching us play, wasn't it? It, it was... A, Almost exactly like the highlights reel of our match, David. The similarities were remarkable. Uncanny. Gilles, now, you've been on the circuit for a long time. I particularly, not that long, I'm not saying you're that old, but I remember vividly 2005 when you beat Andy Roddick in the first round of the US Open. He was the best player in the world, hit well just behind Roger Federer. He came in, I remember there was a big commercial behind him by American Express where they were saying, uh, has Andy lost his mojo? Well, you made him lose his mojo. Yeah, the good old times. It's already 10 years ago. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a long time since that match. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a great match. Uh, and one I will never forget in my life. It was an Art Air Stadium, uh, not an evening session, so uh, full crowd. So it was really a very nice moment for me. What, what is it like? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Like going into that environment because obviously it's not quite as daunting as the Arthras Stadium, which holds 23,000 people, but still it's a, a home crowd for, for Murray. What, what do you remember from that night against Andy Roddick? Uh, well, I think back then I was younger and maybe also crazy. I wasn't really worried about what, what was going on. There was just going out there and and uh, enjoying it and, and uh, I think now over the years I've gotten more um, how to say more mature and, uh, and I'm kind of trying to trying to enjoy it but it's not always the same thing it's not, not as easy as, as, it, as it used to when you're young and you're not thinking about those kind of things but to be honest yeah if, if I do play Andy I think it, it would be very nice I mean play him here in front of his home crowd uh, uh, it would be for sure a nice atmosphere to play in Jamie you are British Obviously, you're a friend of Andy Murray. Jules played him already first round in Dubai this year. Um, and unfortunately for us on that day, Andy won four and five, I think. Yeah. Um, he was rooting for Andy, by the way. He was, <laughs> he was rooting for Andy, by the way, in that match. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's not true, not true, not true. But um, no, it's a slightly strange feeling for me, obviously, because good friends with Andy. But, you know, tomorrow it's my job and I'm going to help Jules as much as I can to, you know, to hopefully get a win. What has it been like to, to come into coaching? Because obviously you're not that long off the circuit yourself, are you? You've played doubles particularly for, for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I, I was playing with Jill last year, sort of mixing playing doubles and, uh, and coaching him at the same time. And, and as time kind of went on, I, I was really enjoying working with him and, and believed that he could you know, do really well and, and, and you know, hopefully have still the best years of his career at the end of his career. Um, and I was struggling with my tennis a little bit as well, so I kind of decided that um, you know I'd like to, to keep going, keep going with Gilles. What um, what has he done well? I don't. Want, let's let's just move over here, Gilles, so he can't hear us. What what is he good at? Um, not much. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, he. I mean, he's he obviously has a lot of experience. He, he's been playing on the tour. Uh, he was close to be top hundred. He played for a very long time on a top level in doubles. So. He he knows a lot of stuff. He learned a lot of stuff, and uh, yeah, it's actually nice to to be with someone who has that experience, who uh, who can feel this. Because I think he's still feeling like a, thinking like a player and feeling like a player. So it's nice to have someone like that that knows what's what's happening on courts, that knows the feeling you have in certain moments. And because sometimes a coach that hasn't been at that level as a player or, or that that's been on as a coach now for for a long time, 
he 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 lost maybe a little bit the feeling for 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 those big moments on during a match and and, and Jamie still has it and we kind of talk a lot before after matches uh, about certain points of a match and 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 then uh, yeah it's it's nice to to have his opinion on that and and it's really helping me a lot. Are you asking for my opinion on Yeah, I want your opinion. Like to coach a top player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, you've just cast the mic underneath my my mouth as if I'm See what you got to I offer. I have something to add. Uh, nothing to offer. I've my burning my burning question in fact it was touched a little bit on in the press conference is what's it like being a tennis player from Luxembourg? I mean how different is it to being a tennis player from Great Britain, for example, where the microscope on you is extraordinary? David and I actually did a, a, uh, an ATP Champions Tour event in Luxembourg many, many moons ago. Um, uh, we were communications managers there. And I recall there being one journalist. I don't know about you, David. I remember one journalist. I remember it being a light week of work. What, what sort of, what's, can you walk down the street at home? I mean, what's, what's it like being a... A professional sportsman from Luxembourg. Uh, I mean, there's uh, obviously good sides of it and, and also bad sides of it. The good side is that, as people not expecting a lot from you as a sportsman, because they always have like um, this attitude, like saying, "Oh, we're a small country; we cannot do that well in sports." So there's obviously less less pressure on 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 on, on a sportsman there. And um, yeah, and then even if you if you if you do. Uh, not win that many matches or, or, or not performing that well, you're still always one of the best. So, I mean, I think when I was younger, I was uh, one of the best. I was training at the Federation and, and, and I think I did a lot of stupid stuff or whatever you call it. And I think in any other Federation, maybe... Did. I did. You did. I did. I did. No, I was I was being young, maybe not practicing hard enough. Uh, and then in, when we went uh, to tournaments, I mean, we were more... More looking to uh, to enjoy ourselves than than than, than trying to win matches, and <laughs> so I think in any other federation um, they would have kicked me out or they would have been stricter with me. But they 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 were they they held on to me and that gave me more chances to to perform well. And then on the other hand, I have to say the the, the bad side is that as the as it's a small country and there's not really people interested in sports and tennis in general. Um, it's tough to 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 get the the support that people have in other countries. I mean, if, I mean, I've been talking with this about this with Jamie a lot. And like, uh, I mean, he's from England. Uh, there's a big federation behind. Uh, those guys get a lot of help. They're getting wild cut into tournaments. They they're getting financial help to have coaches. I kind of had to pay everything on my own from the beginning. And uh, I mean, that 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 made it tougher. Also, it put a lot of pressure on you when when you're playing futures and 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 you're kind of not winning any money but you have to pay a coach you have to pay your traveling so i mean it, it wasn't easy at times and i think that was definitely the the, the bad part of it you're a father of two did you ever come close to to giving up to hanging up the racket in the last few years uh no i always had that big motivation saying that uh, i wanted to play and and show my kids what what what, what i'm doing because i mean now they're three and four they're starting to understand what I'm doing, but still not 100%. So I want to really want to play until they they, they see what their, their their father is doing, and and uh, yeah, that was a big motivation. And then, I mean, actually, there was a point last uh, two years ago when I when I had a big injury in 2013, uh, when I kind of knew it was my, my, my last chance. So also there, I knew that uh, I couldn't be playing tennis uh, for another two years without making a lot of money because I mean I have uh, some responsibilities at home. And uh, luckily, uh, when we started last year in, in, in January, uh, yeah, we had some good results right away, and, and so everything has been going well. 
Certainly has. You're into the quarterfinals. Congratulations, Jills. Congratulations, Jamie. Super coach Jamie Delgado here <laughs> on the Tennis Podcast. And we'll see how you get on in the next one. So Gilles Muller and Jamie Delgado. It's a great story, isn't it, seeing Jamie Delgado having a bit of time in the sun, really, because he's been around the circuit for a long, long time now. He's a really nice guy. And he's obviously a very, very good coach. Yeah, well, super coach Jamie Delgado. He was joking and uh, he, he, he seemed not to think that that was an appropriate title. But, I mean, if you... Uh, if you sort of, if there was some sort of algorithm for calculating the effectiveness of a coach, his Gilles Muller's recent success coincides exactly with him bringing on Jamie Delgado. So I think, you know, what more does a coach need to be do to do to be super? And as you say, he's got an interesting story to tell himself. Winning the Orange Bowl, being lauded as the next big thing. I mean, that's the biggest that's the biggest tournament in junior tennis. Yes, they play the Grand Slams, but the Orange Bowl is the the world championships of junior tennis and he was lauded as the next big thing and obviously you don't know whether someone's going to be the next big thing at the age of 16 17 18 because there are so many variables that can occur so uh good on him now one of the quarterfinalists who we haven't heard from so far on the Aegon championships tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph is guillermo garcia lopez so let's have him take our moet moment challenge Glamour Garcia Lopez, your Aegon Championship Moet Moment Challenge starts now. Who won the Aegon Championships here at Queen's in 2014? Uh, Dimitrov. Correct. Who won it two years ago? Murray. Correct. How many Grand Slam titles Andy Murray won? Two. Correct. Which former Wimbledon champion did Nick Kyrgios beat at Wimbledon last year? Nadal. Correct. When did Boris Becker win his first Wimbledon? 85. Correct. When you win your biggest title, what will you drink to celebrate? I ate champagne. What More. type of champagne? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> correct. How old was Leighton Hewitt when he won at Queen's for the first time? 20. 19. Ah. How many times has Andy Roddick beaten in the Wimbledon final? Three. Correct. Five. How many Queen's titles has Tim Henman won? Zero. Correct. Which two players were playing at Queen's this week reached the Wimbledon semi-finals for the first time last year? I don't know. Dimitrov and Ramage. Yeah. Okay, okay. We'll pass. Finally, what was the score in the fifth set when John Isner beat Nicholas Mahout at Wimbledon? I see the question. 76 68. <laughs> so, no? <laughs> Correct. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't bad, was it, from Guillermo Garcia-Lopez. Just the one wrong in the Moet Moment Challenge. And he is in the first of the four quarterfinals on Friday. He takes on the man who's had a fantastic week from South Africa, Kevin Anderson, who beat Leighton Hewitt from a match point down. And then he went and did pretty much the same thing to Stan Vavrinka. So Kevin Anderson against Guillermo Garcia-Lopez. What do you think, Dave? What's going to happen in that one? I think that could be um, the sort of most underrated match of the day. I've been watching Anderson's uh, matches this week. He's playing incredibly well. He's really resilient, as you said, coming down from match point down. I think that could be um, one that surprises a few people about how close it is and the quality of the match. So I'm quite quietly looking forward to that. Well, fair enough, Dave. Let's find out what Catherine thinks, because we do have to play challenge, Catherine. And I'm afraid, Dave, we're going to have to listen to a bit of gloating now. Don't make me do the gloating, David. That's not fair. You need to, you as the presenter of this show, need to tell the listeners what a good day I've had. It would, it would be... Uh, indelicate of me to do so well you don't usually mind it was 10 all overnight and you've shot into a 17 12 lead against the listeners how did you do it i i seem to have learned how to i don't i don't want to be too braggy here because obviously it can only go downhill and inevitably will go downhill but uh, i think i listened to head over heart a bit more i uh 
I paid more attention to the form books and uh, just seemed to have uh, learned how to do this predicting business. She's got a particularly good sharp stick that she just puts in a piece of paper with her eyes shut and gets it right. So uh, Jim B says Murray in two for the Andy Murray against Sheil Muller match. Which one, what have you got for that one? That's third on the centre court. Oh, I think I think it could be Andy Murray in three. Catherine Whittaker there. Let's start at the top though. Guillermo Garcia Lopez against Kevin Anderson. Yeah, the surprise package of uh, of the quarterfinals. I think uh, Kevin Anderson in two. Kevin Anderson in two. Well, according to Jim B, it is going to be Anderson in two. So there we are. Now, Gilles Simon against Milos Raonic, who is starting to just find his feet, isn't he, Dave? What have you thought of the tennis of Milos Raonic so far this week? Solid, if unspectacular. He looked a bit shaky to start with, coming back from injury. He wasn't moving particularly well on the grass. But when you've got a serve like that, you're always going to win a lot of cheap points. I have got a serve like that. That's what I meant. When, when I said you, I meant I was including you and Milos in the same club. Obviously. Um, so he's going to win a lot of cheap points. That serve's really getting going. And, yeah, I think he's going to be really tough to beat this week. So I'd expect him to win tomorrow. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Catherine Whittaker, what have you got? I can tell you that Jim B has got Simon in three. Ooh, Jim B. Um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, Raonic in two, and I think Jim B's been drinking some Jim Beam. <laughs> anyway, Victor Troitsky against John Isner. What do you think? I know Victor Troitsky is very much in form, but and I know Isner is yet to prove himself on grass, but as I keep saying, he has to do it someday. He's look at that blooming serve. He should. He should be winning things on grass, and uh, it's about time. So, John Isner in two. John Isner in three, says Jim B. Dave Levy, how's your day been here at the Aegon Championships as we come into the last three days of this tournament? It's been fantastic. It's always a privilege working this tournament. But I want to talk about one particular highlight of the day, which was um, the tournament organised the wheelchair exhibition match that was put on on court one. I have to confess that I've not seen a huge amount of wheelchair tennis before, and it was incredible. Um, so we had four British players, all of whom were in the world top 20. Gordon Reid and Mark McCarroll played against Alfie Hewitt and David Phillipson in an exhibition, and their skill um, is unbelievable. They have this shot that I'm going to try and describe as a reverse backhand that gets played in wheelchair tennis, where they kind of hit with the underside of where you would normally hit on a backhand. And it is just incredible to watch. And I have to say, the court one crowd at the end of the exhibition match, which went to um, a deciding a champion's tie-break, gave them a standing ovation. And I've been in, in working at Queen's since 2001. I've rarely seen such an ovation. Um, it's certainly for an exhibition match, uh, if not any match. So that was extraordinary to see. And I was really happy that afterwards the BBC came down and filmed a little, show, um, a little clip with them and did an interview with the players. And they're all really... Great, down-to-earth, very humble guys, very serious athletes, um, but really clearly passionate about um, the training that they do. And I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity um, to see um, wheelchair tennis, and I hope it gets more exposure because I was really, really impressed with, um, with them, how they conducted themselves and, and the level of tennis that they played. Absolutely. Well, it's been another cracking day here at the Aegon Championships. It's quarterfinals day next. You've been listening to the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We'll speak to you tomorrow. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.